Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Joe Biden believes he's commander-in-chief of two countries, ours and Israel's. And look at the job he did for us. And now he wants to do it for Israel. Behind the scenes, Joe Biden and Blinken and the other Obamaites are telling the Israelis... They have to feed and medicate the people in Gaza, which simply means they have to allow trucks in so Hamas can control it all. Hamas isn't going to feed and medicate Palestinian citizens. It's using them as shields. It's slaughtering them. How absurd. At the same time, they keep saying they don't want a second front to open. How many times do you tell an enemy what you don't want them to do, Mr. Producer? Over and over and over again. We don't want a second front. We don't want a third front. We don't want a second front. We don't want a third front. Meanwhile, Hezbollah has killed 10, 10 Israeli IDF soldiers with one of their terrorists being killed. People keep saying, and I've been telling you this for weeks, why why hasn't the IDF gone into Gaza? Because they are being pressured not to. Why? Because Hamas is playing Biden and Blinken like they knew they could. They have several hundred hostages. And they'll give them one here, maybe two here, maybe four there. And think about this, if you're an Israeli, Hamas has already announced not a single one of your IDF soldiers is going back. And all they hear about from Biden is, we want our American hostages back. I got it. But the Israeli population is saying, well, what about our hostages? Why isn't our government going into Gaza? Nobody's been able to negotiate for our people. We're providing food and medication and so forth for the enemy, Hamas. You got Biden now. He's got, he's got the a general over there advising the Israelis on what they may or may not do. And then we have people here saying it's very complicated. They need more time. No, they don't need more time. Time is on Hamas's side. It's on Iran's side. It's on Syria's side. It's on Hezbollah's side. Russia and China, it's on their side. So Biden sees all this, and what does he say? We got to put pressure on Israel, not Iran. The oil spigot is going full time. Billions and billions coming in. Over a billion dollars a week. Meanwhile, nobody's talking about the shuttle diplomacy that's going on with the Iranian foreign minister, with the Palestinian Authority, with the Syrians, with Hezbollah, he's traveling all over the region.
than you see in the streets. Those are Democrats. Those are Democrats carrying Palestinian flags. Some of them Italian flags. They get confused, Democrats. Some of them are here more recently than others, but they're Democrats. And if they vote, they vote Democrat. I guarantee you there's not a Republican among them. You know, it's very interesting. I wrote this book, American Marxism. It sold a million and a half copies. It's interesting to hear hosts on friendly networks, hosts like Bill Maher, they talk about oppressed and oppressor. Mr. Producer, did they ever talk about that before I wrote this book? The entire book's about oppressed and oppressor. So I want to salute them, plagiarists all. But more importantly, it just shows you how powerful you are. The word of mouth ideas, I say this over and over again. They can have an effect, a very, very important effect. So people who never heard of oppressed and oppressor before, whether they're comedians, whether they're TV hosts or whatever they are, now they regurgitate it. Now they understand it. I want to read something to you from the beginning of American Marxism. Chapter 1, it's here. The counter-revolution to the American Revolution is in full force. I actually wrote this four years ago. And it can no longer be dismissed or ignored for it is devouring our society and culture, swirling around our everyday lives and ubiquitous in our politics, schools, media, and entertainment. Once a mostly unrelatable fringe and subterranean movement, it is here. It is everywhere. You, your children, and your grandchildren are now immersed in it. And it threatens to destroy the greatest nation ever established, along with your freedom, family, and security. Of course, the primary difference between the counter-revolution and the American Revolution is that the former seeks to destroy American society and impose autocratic rule, and the latter sought to protect American society and institute representative government. The counter-revolution or movement I uh, speak is Marxism. And I've written about Marxism at length in two earlier books, Ameritopia and Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. I discuss it regularly on my radio and television shows. There are also untold numbers of books written about Marxism. It is not my purpose to contribute yet another long treatise to the many that exist. Nor is it possible, given the focus and limitations of this book, but the application and adaption of core Marxist teachings to American society and culture, what I call American Marxism, must be addressed and confronted lest we are smothered by its modern manifestations. And make no mistake, the situation today is dire. In America, many Marxists cloak themselves in phrases like progressives, democratic socialists, social activists, community activists, and so forth. As most Americans remain openly hostile to the name Marxism. They operate under myriad newly minted organizational or identifying nomenclatures such as Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the Squad, etc. And they claim to promote economic justice, environmental justice, racial equity, gender equity, and so forth. They've invented new theories like critical race theory and phrases and terminologies linked to or fit into a Marxist construct. They claim the dominant culture and capitalist system are unjust and inequitable. It ain't, let's see, 
racist and sexist, colonialist and imperialist, materialistic and destructive of the environment. Of course, the purpose to tear down and tear apart the nation for a thousand reasons and in a thousand ways, thereby dispiriting and demoralizing the public, undermining the citizens' confidence in the nation's institutions, traditions, and customs, creating one calamity after another, weakening the nation from within and ultimately destroying what we know as American republicanism and capitalism. There should be no mistake. The various leaders of this counter-revolution are increasingly outspoken and brazen about who they are. Wrote it four years ago. Including bands of openly Marxist professors and activists. And they're supported by a core group of zombie woke followers. Whatever their labels and self-description, the essential characteristics of their belief statements and policies exhibit core Marxist dogma. They occupy our colleges and universities, newsrooms and social media, boardrooms and entertainment. Their ideas are prominent within the Democrat Party, the Oval Office, and the halls of Congress. Their influence is seen and felt among the mostly winning, as well as the unsuspecting, in news reporting, movies, television shows, and commercials, publishing, and sports, as well as teacher training and classroom curriculum throughout America's public school system. They use the tactics of propaganda and indoctrination and demand conformity and compliance, silencing contrary voices through repressive tactics, such as the cancel culture, which destroys reputations and careers, censoring and banning mostly patriotic and contrary views on social media, even including former President Trump, and attacking academic freedom and intellectual interchange in higher education. Indeed, they take aim at all aspects of our culture, historical monuments. Mark Twain, William Shakespeare, Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss, Disney cartoons, ad infinitum. Pronouns are banned and replaced with nondescript words so as not to offend 58 flavors of gender identification. Past social media posts are scrutinized for early indications of insufficient fealty to the present-day Marxist hegemony. Journalists... And editorial pages are sanitized of non-believers. And yet historical and present day experience shows that Marxism and its supposed workers' paradise are responsible for the death of tens of millions of human beings and the impoverishment and enslavement of over a billion more. And it goes on. That last sentence. Responsible for the death of millions. Tens of millions. This is the core of the modern day Democrat Party. This is what it is. And that's why I followed up with the Democrat Party hates America. Because it does. And virtually every one of those protesters, violent, vile, anti-Semites, America haters, on our college campuses, tenured professors, and our news media are Democrats. Or they vote for Democrats. Never going to vote for Republican? Are they? And not only that, the Democrats won't secure the border. The Democrats own our colleges and universities. The Democrats own the teachers' unions. The Democrats own our libraries. Democrats own the media. 
which is why I wrote The Democrat Party Hates America. I don't need any more money. I am mission-oriented. And so chapter one says, The Democrat Party and Authoritarianism. This book is not intended to be provocative, but in the Democrat Party-centric parts of our society, it undoubtedly will be. It's not written for Democrat Party officials, politicians, media, syncophants, activists, surrogates. It's written for those patriotic Americans who fear for our country and its future. America is unraveling. This came out, you'll recall, this book, September 19th. Our founding and history are under assault. Our families and faiths are being degraded. Individualism has been substituted for groupism. Colorblindness is now racism. Capitalism and prosperity are being devoured by economic socialism and climate change fanaticism. Classrooms have become indoctrination mills for racism, segregation, bigotry, and sexual perversion. And teachers' unions are hostile to parental involvement in critical decisions about the health and welfare of their children. And in America, free speech and academic freedom are shrinking. And the police state is growing as it's monitoring and spying on American citizens. The government is banning and regulating more and more household products. The small to the large. Crime is out of control on our streets, public transportation, and schools, while police budgets are slashed and many prosecutors and judges coddle violent criminals. Our borders are wide open to millions of foreigners who seek entry into our country, drug and criminal cartels, ship killer drugs into our country by the tons and brutalize immigrants by using them as indentured servants and sex slaves, and the list goes on. And the Democrat Party is responsible for most of this and much more. And I go on. My friend Derek Hunter in Town Hall, a great columnist, he puts it this way. I had to check the calendar to make sure it wasn't 1938. Then I had to check the books I owned to make sure they weren't actually written in German. Once I confirmed that it's 2023 and I live in the United States, I was left only to shake my head in disgust of what Democrats have exposed themselves to be. Make no mistake, I never really thought they were great people. The party of slavery, Jim Crow, and segregation isn't suddenly going to pull a 180 and not be monsters. It's who they are. They've never changed their objectives, only their tactics. Sounds like he's read my book, but he's a good, good writer. Now their embrace of segregation is done in the name of tolerance, of providing safe space to minorities. But make no mistake, the end result is the same. That's the thing about the left. They happily tell you who they are and the horrible things they hold dear, and you ha- and all you have to do is believe them. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Unfortunately, America, I've come to the conclusion that the free world doesn't want to be free anymore. That so-called democracies don't want to be democracies anymore. That we've become weak. That we're all being destroyed from within from the same maladies. That is Marxism and terrorism. Our academia is all in. It's all in for the destruction of America. Because these Ivy League schools, and not just Ivy League schools, the vast majority of Our public institutions have been devoured by these forces. And Gramsci was right. And Hamas was right. What do you mean, Mark? Well, as I point out, and the Democrat Party hates America, Gramsci was a leading communist over 100 years ago in Italy. He was a little man. He had uh, numerous physical defects. He was thrown in prison for a period of time as he opposed not just the fascists, but he opposed democracy too. And he argued that Marx was wrong about one thing. The Marxist revolution won't come from the bottom up. It'll come from the top down. And then it'll come from the bottom up. In other words, take over the institutions, control the language, the belief and value systems, brainwash, use propaganda, control the culture, and your revolution will be successful. Lenin agreed. Stalin agreed. Of course, they all had to agree, because most of these revolutions, these communist revolutions, do not come from the bottom up. They come from the top down in the name of the bottom up. When you take that ideology and you combine it with the Muslim Brotherhood or Hamas or Iran and the other Islamic terrorist Nazi regimes and Nazi ideologies. You can see what's happening. The Marxists have killed a hundred million human beings over the course of the last century or so. One hundred million. Mostly of their own people. 
Stalin slaughtered 30 to 40 million of his own people. Now, 40 to 50 million of his own people. It amazes me when people say, well, look at Hamas, they're killing their own people. Well, of course they are. When you look through the lens of power, whether they're sort of soft autocracies like the Democrat Party or these very aggressive genocidal autocracies like Lenin and Stalin and Mao, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, their terrorist offshoots and so forth. They seek to re-engineer society. They seek to re-engineer human beings. And so, what's a couple million deaths here and there? And they will not and cannot tolerate anything but uniformity. And if you will not conform, for instance, with the Islamo-Nazi ideology, or you will not conform with the Marxist ideology, you're expendable. Because paradise whether it's Marxist paradise or paradise, whether it's the Islamist paradise, is unachievable. If anyone, anything, any faith, any group stands in their way. Now we, red-blooded Americans, we stand in the way of both. The Marxists and the Islamists. That's why we've been targeted over the decades, and that's why we will continue to be targeted from within and from without. These other ideologies in the form of regimes or terrorist operations, they cannot be successful, both in their minds and in reality, without destroying us. And if that means violence, it means violence. And if that means exterminating the Jews, it means exterminating the Jews. If that means one day Iran gets a nuclear missile and blows Los Angeles off the face of the earth, so be it. This is what Obama and Biden, our media, and the rest either don't understand or believe their ideology which is a soft Marxism, can overcome. It cannot. What this soft Marxism does is it weakens America. They talk about defund the police. They've effectively defunded the military. They've effectively defunded the Border Patrol by their practices, by their policies. That is what they have done, and that's what they continue to do. And like the Marxists, and even like the Islamo-Nazis, propaganda is key. That's why you scratch your heads and are disgusted with the American media, and the European media for that matter, but mostly here in America, we read the American media. How can it be that the New York Times, for a second time, is on the side of the Nazis? How could it be that MSNBC has bigots and anti-Semites as hosts and guests? How could it be that moral equivalency is made between the victim 
and the perpetrator. And I would say this to Reuters as a footnote that is spewing all the Hamas propaganda as I speak, as are the others. If Hamas surrenders, then no children will die in the Gaza Strip. But Hamas is not going to surrender any more than the Marxists will surrender, any more than Hitler would surrender. As I explained in the Democrat Party Hates America, you've got to look at these institutions through the lens of power. Why is our border wide open? Does it serve the purposes of securing our nation, of protecting our people, the American citizenry? Of course not. It does the opposite. It's about power. It's about flipping Texas, changing the culture, the demographics, to empower the Democrat Party. I'm just explaining to you what nobody has explained to you yet. The overlay between Marxism and Nazism, Islamic Nazism, is more similar than dissimilar. It always amazed me, and I read an enormous amount about it, and I thought about it over time, how the fascists were always fighting the communists. In practicality, in reality, they had more in common than, than not. Marxism would press the argument that it's sort of an ideological model, and of course fascists would push the model that theirs is ideological too, but it really stems from one person or a handful of people. For the population, it doesn't matter. They're enslaved. They are enslaved. Now, the only way to defeat these enemies is to defeat them. You can't negotiate with them. You have morals. You're good. They have no morals and they're evil. What are you negotiating for? Wasn't slavery evil in the United States or everywhere else for that matter? Should we have de-escalated during the Civil War? What about all the children and innocents who died during the Civil War? What about them? Could they be persuaded, the slaveholders, over time to let those folks go? Or was it so evil it needed to be crushed? You don't negotiate with evil. You either destroy it or it destroys you. The West is losing this war of ideas and ideology, strategy, tactics. It's losing. Europe opened its borders. And now they've been overrun by immigrants, many of whom come from Arab and Muslim countries. In our own nation, we've been overrun with immigrants, many illegal, from all over the world. We have no idea who they are, none. But we literally have cities now and towns 
overwhelming majority of which have attachments and share the culture with individuals in the Middle East, whether in Michigan, Dearborn, whether in Minnesota, Minneapolis, many other parts of our country. An Orthodox Jew with a beard, talis, black coat, yarmulke, they're not free to walk through these areas. They will be violently attacked. Hate crimes against Jews are way up and have been over the last decade or so. 2% of the population in America, 51% of the hate crimes. And as I've said here time and again, why don't they tell us who's doing these things? Surely they can put the statistics together. Who are committing these acts? Who are they? We know where most of them are occurring. Most of them are occurring, obviously where Jews are, but where individuals from the Middle East are. I don't really care if I'm attacked by the Hitlerian media in this country, the pro-Hamas media. I don't really care if I'm attacked by Democrats who have brought this to America and who continue to sustain it. I'm talking to you, my fellow Americans who still love this country and don't want to fundamentally transform it. That's what's going on. When you have Obama and Biden and Blinken and the rest of the American Marxists, and that's who Biden ultimately threw in with. First he threw in with the old Confederates. Now he's thrown in with the American Marxists because he's a chameleon. He's a dumb guy. He's a nasty guy. He always has been. But power's power. Joe Biden needed Bernie Sanders to become the nominee, and that's who he, he's thrown in with. They're destroying our country from within. People come into this country from other countries. We talk about assimilation. Well, what are they going to assimilate into now? Public education and our colleges and universities were considered places to assimilate people. Now they learn to hate America. Our media. When you have an autocratic party like the Democrat Party, you need an autocratic media. That's what we have with CNN and Politico and MSNBC, probably the worst Reuters, AP, New York Times, Washington Post, we have an autocratic media. By the way, which also claims to believe in free speech and freedom of the press and stand with the people when they stand on our throats. Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Let's jump right in. I watched Biden's press, whatever you want to call it. He called for a two-state solution after this is all done. He attacked the Jews in Judea and Samaria as settlers and extremists. He's been lying and covering up American military casualties over the last week. And he's been lying to the American people overall, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. But that also means the Secretary of State, 
your national security advisor, Kirby, and the others have been lying to we the people. And now that the House, finally the Republicans have a new speaker, it's time to get to the bottom of this and much more. What else has he lied about? You'll notice how coy they are when they talk about Iran. Iran, of course, Iran has an influence. But Iran, there's no evidence, had any direct role. So the American media keeps giving cover to this bombastic buffoon and his lies. Except now and then, now and then, a real story squirts out. This is uh, the Wall Street Journal via the Times of Israel. Listen to this. Hundreds of Palestinian terrorists underwent, quote, specialized combat training, unquote, in Iran weeks before the group's murderous onslaught against Israel, according to a Wednesday report, that is today, in the Wall Street Journal. The newspaper is citing, quote, people familiar with intelligence, unquote, surrounding the brutal Hamas massacre on October 7, reported that 500 members of both Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad took part in training last month led by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Israel has repeatedly accused Iran of being a key force behind the coordinated Hamas attack on Israel, in which it succeeded in disabling the high-tech Gaza border fence and streaming across the border to carry out its devastating assault on nearby communities, which included taking at least 224 people hostage. Iran has welcomed the Hamas assault, but denies it played a role in its planning. According to the Wall Street Journal report, Iranian Brigadier General Ismail Khani, the head of Quds Force, attended the training activities led by the IRGC. Hours before the report was published, IDF spokesman Rear Admiral Daniel Haggery pointed a finger directly at Iran for helping to plan the brutal attack. Haggery said at a press conference Wednesday that Iran had directly aided Hamas, quote, before the war, with training, supplying weapons, money, and technological know-how, unquote. Even now, he added, Iran, quote, Iranian, Iranian aid to Hamas continues in the form of intelligence and online incitement against the state of Israel. Meeting with French President Emmanuel Macron, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu echoed comments he's made to other visiting world leaders that Israel is facing an access of evil. That by Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis, their minions who are fighting to bring back the Middle East, the world, to the early Middle Ages. The Wall Street journalist reported that Iranian security officials, quote, gave the green light, unquote, for the assault at a meeting in Beirut, five days before October 7, citing senior members of Hamas and Lebanon's Iran-backed Hezbollah movement. The U.S. officials put back, pushed back against the report saying its intelligence did not show a direct link between Iranian officials and the attack, while noting that Tehran is a longtime backer of Hamas. It'll be crucially important that the House Committee on Intelligence, the House Committee on 
Foreign Affairs, and the House Armed Services Committee find out what the hell went on here. And still going on. Comments to the U.N. Security Council on Tuesday, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said it is no secret that for years Iran has supported Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Houthis. Now, and other groups that continue to carry out attacks on Israel. So why? Why are they allowing them to be funded with oil money? I mean, nobody stops and says, then what are you doing, you moron, you clown, you putz? In response, Iran's permanent representatives to the UN, Emir Salid, I really lashed out at Blinken for what he called his attempt to wrongly place the blame on Iran. Iran categorically rejects these groundless allegations, he said. A week earlier, Blinken said the U.S. does not have direct evidence that Iran was involved in the attack. Iranian supreme lowlife, the Fuhrer, Khamenei, accused the U.S. of directing strikes that Israel has been carrying out on Hamas, calling the U.S. a definite accomplice of criminals during a speech in Tehran. Mm -hmm. Sunday, Tehran threatened Israel that the region could spiral out of control if the war in Gaza continues. And it goes on. But what's different here is the report that 500 Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad terrorists were trained in Iran. The Iranian Quds forces. And our administration denies any direct link. Now, this is problematic. In fact, Joe Biden and his administration is in a full court lie about everything that's taking place. Everything. And uh, I want to read something to you that I wrote and I posted online because if you're smart, you don't go online very much. I have to from time to time anyway to push back against the corrupt Democrat Party Hamas supporting media. And here's what I said. I wrote, I have to find it. Biden is sabotaging Israel and America. The Biden administration has intentionally created a situation in the Middle East where it is becoming increasingly difficult for Israel to launch a full-scale ground operation against Hamas in Gaza. I'm not saying they won't, but it's becoming difficult and complicated. The administration's rhetoric is more and more bellicose, and more and more conditions are being set publicly and behind the scenes militarily on Israel's leadership and military. And we, the American public, are being misled and lied to by our own government. The Biden regime does not have Israel's back. It doesn't even have our back. Every day that goes by, Hamas and the other Nazi groups and regimes, such as Iran, Syria, Qatar, Hezbollah, the Palestinian Authority, and others, are buying time to plan their attacks on Israel and support from Hamas and Hezbollah Nazi terrorists. In Gaza, the enemy is fortifying its positions, especially its tunnel network, well, the Biden administration has organized the world around a quote-unquote humanitarian effort to get goods and medicine into Gaza. 
Well, Egypt blocks the main passageway for the Palestinians to leave. Not another country's army anywhere on the planet is expected or pressured to do such a thing. Of course, not one Arab country will accept the Palestinians. The Biden administration's pressure on Egypt is minimal, as is its effort, if there are any, for any Arab or Muslim country to take Palestinians into their country. Biden, Blinken, and the rest of the regime's leaders repeatedly signaled to the enemy that they do not want to open any other fronts in this war. Of course not. But why would they continually telegraph their greatest concerns to the Iranian regime that will use those concerns to its benefit and, strategic and strategize accordingly? Has it occurred to the President and Secretary of State that it already has spread to Hezbollah and that our own military has been repeatedly attacked by Iran's proxies? And by the way, they've been covering the uh, numbers up. The same Iran that killed and maimed Americans in Iraq and elsewhere with no effective response? The same Iran that is still receiving billions of dollars in oil revenue because Biden refused to enforce existing sanctions against Iran. The same Iran that Biden and Blinken rearmed and appeased. They're still funding Iran's war regime and their terrorist proxies and are developing nukes without any plan by Biden and Blinken to stop them. The same Biden regime that hired four Iranian special pleaders and spies to try to convince the Iranians to get back into the disastrous Obama nuclear deal and installed Israel-hating Mahar Bittar as senior director for the intelligence programs at the National Security Council, where he sits right now. The same Biden regime that has nominated Jack Lew as our ambassador to Israel, and I want to deal with Rand Paul later, despite his role in appeasing Iran with billions in payments under Obama and more. The Biden regime is pressuring Israel to do things no army can accomplish. One, Feed and medicate the citizens who occupy the territory where the enemy is dug in and from which it slaughters Israelis. Two, destroy the enemy which hides among its population and holds hostages without hurting any citizens or hostages. Number three, conduct urban warfare, building to building, room to room with tunnels and IEDs without harming any mosques, UN sites, schools and hospitals which are used by the enemy to launch attacks on Israelis and hide the enemy. And four, do nothing that might cause Iran, which is funding it all thanks to Biden's policies, to expand the war, even though Iran is expanding the war and attacking our forces through surrogates. And I might add, there's never a word by Biden, Blinken, or any others in the Biden regime about the lives of young IDF soldiers, most of whom are reservists, and their well-being and safety, never And the Biden regime has implanted a Marine general, not merely to advise the Israelis, but to watch over their military and interfere with their war effort. Biden seeks to be a disastrous commander-in-chief, not just in our country, but in Israel. They're using the provision of weapons as a condition to oppose on the Israelis what they may or may not do with those weapons. That is, blackmailing them on military decisions. And diplomatically... The Biden regime is working with our European allies to pressure Israel not to fight the kind of war they must fight to prevent future terrorist attacks from Hamas. But they keep lying to us about their full support for Israel. Indeed, they publicly and continuously lecture Israel about complying with the rules of law and proportionality, which the Biden regime interpret wrongly and intentionally to mean don't fight the war to obliterate the enemy. And of course, Biden and Blinken calculate 
that the more time that passes, the less support there will be for Israel to defend itself. Hamas knows this as well. That's why it took over 200 hostages and uses them as military pawns. They know Biden paid $6 billion to the enemy for five hostages. The Biden regime is busy seeking an impossible peace rather than victory. Blinken said as much in a recent tweet today. So the Biden regime, which destroyed actual peace under Trump's policies and blew up the Middle East, where only a few years ago Iran was on its back, the Palestinian terrorists were defunded, and Arab and Muslim countries entered into multiple peace deals with Israel, is seeking to appease the terrorists it has unleashed. And Israel's very existence, as well as the well-being of American forces in the region, are now at stake. We've gone from peace under Trump and his foreign policy of peace through strength to horrific terrorism and war under Biden's policy of appeasement and worse. Financial support for our enemies. This is why Israel has not yet ordered its military to go into Gaza. The Biden regime is threatening it and opposing its disastrous and deadly ideology on Israel. But Israel must act and act soon. If after the genocidal murder and atrocities committed against Israel, Hamas is not destroyed. It lives to slaughter another day. Iran acquires its nuclear weapon. Hezbollah becomes even better equipped with more advanced weapons. And our putative so-called Arab allies in the Middle East see their own survival as joining the access of evil or acquiescing to it, which we're already beginning to see. The United States and Israel, as well as the rest of the free world, will be imperiled like never before since the end of World War II. And this is how wars expand and become world wars. Iran, Russia, China, North Korea are already exploiting the Biden regime's insanity. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. The, the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson... By the way, I love it when one of these eight knuckleheads takes credit for this guy, Mike Johnson. These people are pathetic. They are just pathetic. They claim victory no matter what. We lost three weeks. Three weeks. To conduct oversight hearings. To do all the things a majority does. The Democrats never do that to themselves, ever. And we'll never get those three weeks back. And if we lose the House, if we lose the House, that's three weeks that the Democrats were more than happy to participate in taking from the Republican majority. I just want to point that out. Now, there was a vote less than an hour ago And Bill Malusian was there. This guy's great, by the way. Just great. Ten members of the House voted no on a resolution to condemn Hamas attacks on Israel today. Six voted present. Passed overwhelmingly 412 to 10 with the six present. All were Democrats but one. All were Democrats but, but one. And I'm embarrassed for him and by him. I'll get to him in a minute. Those who said no, we're not going to vote for a resolution to condemn Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel include Jamal Bowman, who was charged with a crime 
will have to go to court tomorrow, but he already has a plea deal. Three months good behavior, his, his record will be wiped clean. I want you to compare that to the people who sat in prison and are sitting in prison for doing a lot less than that on January 6th. Corey Bush, Andre Carson, Al Green, Summer Lee, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilian Omar, Dahlia Ramirez, Chicago, Rashida Talib, nine, nine, and the one Republican, Thomas Massey, Mr. Producer. Because when it comes to issues involving Israel and foreign policy, he is Rand Paul. Rand Paul is Ron Paul. And if they had their way, we'd all be dead. Who voted present? All Democrats. Greg Cesar of Texas. Joaquin Castro of Texas. Choi Garcia of Illinois. Pramilia Jayapal, the head of the progressive, whatever, Seattle. Ayanna Presley, Democrat, Boston. Nadia Valaquez, Democrat, New York City. Sixteen people effectively wouldn't vote to condemn Hamas's terrorism. Fifteen of whom are Democrats. Think about that. Tom Massey, I know you listen to the show. If you want to call in, call in, brother. You too, Rand Paul. More than happy to deal with this. Man to man. No problem at all. I'm sure you have some bizarre theory. But let's hear it. These terrorists in the Middle East are the modern-day Nazis. You know, I don't know what else has to be done to prove it. What is it that they should have done to persuade these people in the streets? And would my fellow conservatives, whether they're on Conservative Talk Radio or Fox or OAN or Newsmax, and maybe they're doing it, would you please explain what Students for Justice in Palestine is? I do it on radio. I've done it on my weekend shows. It's a Hamas front group. It's part of the Hamas network. Come on, get your minds around this. Understand, we've been infiltrated. We've been infiltrated. I have a question for Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski. When you are at a network... And that network is primetime platform to Joy Reid, who is a known bigot and racist and homophobe. When he gives a platform to Mahdi, who is a known bigot and racist and anti-Semite, when he gives a platform 
to Al Sharpton. Who clearly, when you look at his background, is or was the same thing. Why don't you resign in protest? Have you no moral core? I know. It's Trump every day. I got it. I know it's the Republicans every day. I got it. But look in the mirror. You have a corporation in Comcast that has this outlet, MSNBC, that spews more hate and now is significantly pro-terrorist. And you don't object to anything. Nothing. It's all Trump, Trump, Trump. Why deflect? You see what's going on. Why give cover to pro-terrorist, pro-Nazi, pro-Hamas Democrats and hosts? Why do you do that? I have a question for Nicole Wallace, who was a Republican strategist, close to John McCain. You think John McCain would be proud of you today, Nicole Wallace? Your whole show is about trashing Trump. Does it not bother you that your new Democrat Party and your new friends at MSNBC and all the friends and guests that you have on from media and from Congress... We're on the wrong side of history and morality? We're on the side of evil? Does that not bother you? Why haven't you resigned in protest? Why haven't you left your platform over there at MSNBC? And why do people go on that network? And want to work for that network? I have a question for you, Maggie Haberman. Jeremy Peters and the others at the New York Times, are you not ashamed? Are you not ashamed working for a corporation that 80 short years ago covered up the Holocaust? Are you not ashamed of that? Are you not ashamed of working for that corporation? which promotes Hamas in their headlines and their news coverage? Does that not bother you? You'd rather write about conservatives and Trump? Is that it? You have no moral core? Why would you want to work for the New York Times at all? Given it is a corporation that has blood on its hands. Why would you do that? I have more questions. If you know the history of the Democrat Party, and you're black, and you know it's the party of slavery, and you know it's the party of segregation, and you know it's the party of Jim Crow, and you know it's the party of eugenics, And you know it's the party of the Klan. Why are you a Democrat? 
Well, because it's compassion. It's not compassionate. Look at crime in the streets in the Democrat-run cities. Look at the failing schools where they won't allow school choice. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. You're being used. Franklin Roosevelt didn't lift a finger for black people, and he refused to sign a federal statute that was on his desk to outlaw lynching throughout the country. Look at him. Look at your history. Look at the history. Joe Biden? Joe Biden? What's that guy's name? The God? What does he call himself? Charmaine the God? I'm sorry. Charlemagne the God. He's come as close as anybody. But he still can't just get there. And call out Joe Biden for being the racist and the bigot he's always been. Close but no cigar. Close but no cigar. The Kennedy clan. Joseph Kennedy Sr. Back channeling to the Third Reich. You don't have any Republicans. Maybe one or two here, but you don't have any Republicans who conducted themselves this way. I'm not talking about one Democrat. I'm talking about the Democrat leadership presidents, ambassadors, State Department officials. This runs through their DNA. So if you're black, shouldn't you ask yourself why you're a Democrat? And then I want to ask Jews, being Jewish, how in the hell can you be a Democrat? How in the hell can you be a Democrat? When you see this vote today on the floor of the House. How can you vote for the same individuals as people who hate you? How can you do that? Those people on the streets today on our college campuses, they're not Republicans. They're not Republicans. They're Democrats. If they vote at all, they're Democrats. They're not Republicans. Every radical Islamist and Marxist, there are some boneheaded Republicans, like Massey and Paul, especially on this issue, in my humble opinion. But that's different than being affirmatively for Hamas. How can you vote with these people? You vote for the same people as the people who hate you. Some of whom want to exterminate you. What is it going to take for you to open your eyes? What the hell is it going to take? I'm not saying you need to be Republican activists. You don't have to be any party whatsoever. But how can you be a Democrat? How can you be a Democrat? 
All the lies, the false narratives, the rewriting of their history. It's happening right in front of your eyes today as I speak. Those aren't Republicans carrying swastikas on their flags. Or the flag of Palestine in the name of Hamas. CARE, C-A-I-R. It's an appendage of the Democrat Party. It's a Hamas front group. How can you live with that? Jewish Voices for Peace. Started by Noam Chomsky, among others. Renowned Israel hater. Consider themselves a wing. A wing. Of the most vile, violent, anti-Semitic, Groups in the Middle East. How can you support these? Well, Mark, I don't really. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin. Why the hell would we give a visa to the foreign minister of the Islamo-Nazi regime, Iran? To come into this country. Well, the UN's in this country. I don't care what's in this country. Those of you who've listened to this program over the decades know I've said we should get out of the UN, throw them all the hell out, create a new institution of purely democratic countries. But what do I know? So the Iranian foreign minister, who's been traveling throughout the Middle East as well as. Hamas and the Iranians meeting with Putin. You Putinoids out there should know about that. Hosan Amir Abdullah Yabadabadu. He's sort of the Himmler. The Himmler. Of the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. So he's at the United Nazis today. The UN. And he threatens us. Everybody threatens us. The Russians, the communist Chinese, the inbred in North Korea, and now the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. I put this all at Joe Biden's feet. All of it. All of it. As he shuffles around and digs his feet into the sand in Rehoboth Beach. And who else? His mentor, Barack Hussein Obama who hates America, who hates Israel. One of his closest buddies was the Palestinian professor Khalidi, with ties to Hamas. Oh, did you know that? Yes. And CARE, the organization CARE, another Hamas front group, there's a revolving door, so they keep coming and going, coming and going, as well as the Muslim Brotherhood. We've been infiltrated. On our college campuses and in our media. We know all about it. I told you all about it here and on Fox and on Blaze. Infiltrated. I want you to hear this. Hussein Amir Yabadaba threatens us if Gaza genocide continues, America will not be spared from our fire. That is a direct threat against the United States of America, Biden still has not cut off 
the spigot, the oil spigot, which is giving them a billion and a half dollars a week. He's rearmed the enemy. While our border is wide open and our military is funding is flat. Here it is. Cut 17. Go. I say frankly to the American statesmen who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome to expansion of the war in the region. But I warn if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. It is our home. Ah, shut up, you inbred. You wouldn't be saying that to Ronald Reagan. You wouldn't be saying that to Donald Trump. Joe Biden's getting Americans killed. Whether it's the open border by the tens of thousands. Whether it's the soft on crime Democrats. And now Americans are open season. Open season. And in our own country. Our colleges and universities are breeding grounds for these rats. And what are we doing about it? Zippo. Nothing. Zero. Not securing the border. Not deporting people here on student visas or other visas. Kick their ass the hell out of here. Not ensuring terrorists aren't coming across the border. Of course they're coming across the border. They don't even have to be secret about it. Just find the right alley. The narco-terrorists... The drug cartels, they'll get you in. Won't be a problem. Every state on the border is trying to stop this, but Biden, Biden stops them. They go to court. The Attorney General of the United States goes to court. Hey, hey, we're in charge of security. The fraud, the liar, who's the Secretary of DHS. The, uh, the, the border's secure. Shut up, you idiot. Our enemies see weakness and they act. The hell does China have ships in the Mediterranean for? And by the way, they just intercepted one of our ships in, near one of their fake islands. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? And now this guy threatens us. This regime and their surrogates slaughtered 31 Americans. Any response? No. This regime and their surrogates have 10, 12, 15, they don't even know, Americans held hostage. Any response to that? No. Now we're trying to work it through. If the Israelis will just calm down, be proportionate, and follow the rules of war, give the enemy food, sustenance, water, and of course fuel, all will be well. That's right. Don't get angry. Don't get angry just because your people are being raped and brutalized and their eyes are being gouged out and they're being burned alive and their children are being decapitated. Come on, calm down. Don't respond out of anger. Be proportionate. Can you imagine Biden telling Jews in Israel some of whom came out of the Holocaust. I so sympathize with you. I stand with you shoulder to shoulder. 
We will not allow any horrible things to happen to Israel. Whatever you need, we'll give you now. However, don't obliterate the enemy. And now they're on a new kick. It's not really new. I've spent the entire day thoroughly researching this topic of Iran beyond what I already know, which is a ton. But more than that, about the new foreign policy ideology. That's what it is. It's a new doctrine, but they don't tell you about it. They lie about it. Because they know if you knew about it, you would be disgusted. I actually wrote about it partly in Unfreedom of the Press with this guy, Ben Rhodes, who's the Deputy National Security uh, Council advisor, as well as a poet or a fiction writer. He spilled the beans to the Washington Post. I read some of that to you. That they lied about a moderate part of the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. That they gave information to so-called experts and scholars who literally regurgitated the talking points point by point in the media as well as the media themselves. As well as Democrats in Congress. And he lied. And he was bragging about it to the Washington Post and the Washington Post printed it And they were laughing about it. Let me tell you what's going on here, and I'm going to discuss it at great length on Life, Liberty, and Levin this weekend, but let me discuss it right now. Obama, Blinken, Sullivan, and a guy named Robert Malley. They decided that every preceding president had it all wrong. The problem you see is that America is too strong. That America is imperialistic. That America is militaristic. And that there should be one superpower. One superpower calling the shots or even involved in negotiations and discussions. There needs to be a balance. Michael Doran, D-O-R-A-N called it a realignment. And before him, Martin Peretz, who's a liberal, was a Harvard professor, was a previous owner of the liberal and now left-wing New Republic, said the same thing. And what is this new foreign policy ideology? That you need to have balance, ladies and gentlemen, in all these regions. And so you take the most powerful country in the region. It doesn't matter if it's democratic, fascistic, Marx, doesn't matter. And you need to have balance. And so Israel needs to be taken down a bunch of notches. And Iran needs to be built up. And that way they're working at a level playing field. And there'd be a balanced approach, one to the other. It's the realignment, as Michael Duran has called it. The realignment. Now, you and I both know that's insanity. You don't build up terrorist regimes that have killed Americans, kill their own people, kill people who don't agree with them, are expanding 
with an access of evil that want nuclear weapons to blackmail us and to threaten us and everybody, everybody in the region. You build them up. You're building up terrorists. You're putting them on a level with civilized societies. This is why. They keep talking about a two-state solution now. Listen to the propaganda. Obama put out an absurd statement. It wasn't written by him. It was written by Rhodes. Saying this is why we need a two-state solution. State for Palestine, quote-unquote, the Palestinians and the Jews and the Israelis. This is why Ben Rhodes put out a piece saying the same thing. This is why Thomas Friedman, who's a swine and a putz, this is why he puts out the same thing. This is why Biden keeps saying it. This is why even now they have Harris. She memorized the line. Anyway, we got to have a two-state solution. So now it's a two-state solution. So if and when Israel goes into Gaza, at tremendous cost to that country, with a lot of their young men who are reservists, not even regular army, being slaughtered, because they have to worry, worry about the civilians on the other side. Like no army on the face of the earth. Not ours. Not any of the NATO armies. And what Biden, Obama, Blinken, Sullivan, Harris, are all saying, all of them have said in the last 48 hours, when it's over, we, the United States, are taking over either directly or through a coalition of countries, and we are going to create a Palestinian state. And how will it be different than Gaza? And how will it be different than the Palestinian Authority? Who's going to be in charge of this? And who's going to enforce anything? That will be the ultimate demise of Israel. That'll be the end of Israel. Iran has killed Americans. We now know that there are 13 or 14 wounded Americans, some of them with severe brain injuries. We know there's now been over 90 attacks on American forces by Iran surrogates. And there's no response other than we keep the oil flowing. And we're not going to enforce the sanctions. Why? Because Biden insists we've got to have this balance. Obama insists. And if Israel goes in and obliterates Hamas, blows Hamas off the face of the earth, so they can't ever kill anymore, anybody. And Biden pretends he's for that, but he's not. Because it changes the balance of power in the Middle East. He's not for it. Even look at Ukraine. Oh, he'll help Ukraine, but only to the point where Ukraine is deadlocked with Russia. Because they believe in, in balance, not victory. Not victory. Not victory Ukraine over Russia. Not victory Israel over Hamas or any of the other subhuman Nazis. And not victory for the United States. China sees it. Russia sees it. Iran sees it. North Korea sees it. And I've told you now for a long time that this kind of approach or the isolationist approach is going to lead to a world war and your kids are going to be drafted.